You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. God, thank you for your grace and your love. We humble ourselves before you. Lord, I know every soul that is, is here right now. Some came because this is their church and Others were invited, others were dragged to church, and others just are here because it's the thing to do. Whatever it is, God, I know you have a word for every soul. I know this is on purpose, God. This is a divine appointment. So first of all, have your way in me and through me, Holy Spirit. I, I, can't, I don't want to do this without you, and I can't do it without you. Move in me and through me. May your spirit work. Um, put your word inside of me, make me pregnant with your word, God. <clears throat> May this message be anointed by you, God. May your hand be on me. And Lord, move in every heart. May lives be changed this morning. May people have an encounter with your, with your spirit, God, just like the wind of a sail with your spirit, God. Give God permission and just tell him, God, I need you to, Move in me. I need to hear a word from you, God. Just give them whatever's weighing on your mind. Maybe you came to church and something's been weighing on your mind. Would you just give it to God? He loves you. Thank you, God. We come together and we worship you. We cry out to you and we, we look at your word. And um, may you, Jesus, be lifted up here in our hearts. Bless our ministry partners in other rooms as they're, talking, as they're teaching children and, and students, high school students. They're teaching other kids about you. Would you use them likewise and work in the hearts of our teenagers and our children and, and move in them as well, Lord. Thank you, God, for your grace. I'm so grateful that you're a God of unfailing love, Father of mercies, the God of all comforts. We love you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Hey, before I forget, we have um, something starting this week that we've not done in a very long time, and it's a prayer night. Every Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. in this room. And my guess is if I ask you if you're going to be here and you're going to say one word and it starts with the letter B, what word are you going to say? I'm what? Busy. Yeah, somebody said it. <laughs> That's everybody's busy. Okay, my dog's busy too. Everybody's busy. I want to encourage you to make time to cry out to the Lord. If you make time to cry out to the Lord, here's what I guarantee you you're not going to miss out on any task or any chore or any deadline. Okay, make time to cry out to the Lord. And uh, he wants to carry your burdens. And it's my prayer is Thorn Creek, we've become this house of prayer more and more and more. And I can see these services on Tuesday nights growing in worship, but I can see it evolving. But it starts with this. Hey, uh, um, today we're, uh, we're in our series called uh, Unleashed, just in case you're wondering, we're in part 16 of 20. And uh, it's been really, really good. I've been enjoying this series. A lot of you wearing your Unleashed shirts, they're, they're in the lobby if you don't have one, and they are free. Make sure to pick one up. But we're looking at the book of Acts, and we're looking at the early church. Uh, the book of Acts is found after the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you, you see the early church. You see the, the Holy Spirit is unleashed. 
in Acts chapter 2, and, and you see this organization whose CEO and founder is Jesus Christ be unleashed. The church has been around longer than the company you work for, 2,000 years, and it's going to be around longer than the company you're, work, you're at right now. It's going to outlast that company. Um, but you see, the, you see God move in miraculous ways, and in many ways, I, I feel like we're looking at um, this is what we are called to be, and this is who we're called to, to do and be, and this is, this is the church. So sometimes the church kind of drifts away from its original blueprint, and we're looking at that original factory setting of what the church looked like and the purpose and goal of the church. It's kind of like Vince Lombardi, when he would coach, he would say, this is a football. And let's go back to basics, and that's what we're doing. Uh, today's message is titled, Finding God's Will. So maybe you're here at church, and you're working through a decision um, if you haven't made uh, looked at, looked at you know if you haven't worked through that you will it's just normal. In fact, one stat says this: the average adult makes thirty five thousand decisions a day, thirty five thousand decisions a day. You made a decision this morning. That at some point, you said, "I'll go to church." At some point this morning, you said, "You know what? I'll go ahead and get dressed." And I'll go to church. Um, yesterday, it was phenomenal. We have a, you know, this, this building, we've only been in it for about a month now, and we're, we're getting geared up and, and trying to get as much as we can accomplish for our grand opening, which is next week. Please pray, pray, invite someone to next week, start praying about it. You can text them while I'm preaching, that's fine, but invite someone to church next, um, for next week's service. But um, We've had, when you have a building, a blessing like this, it is a blessing, but it requires a lot of work, and you have to take a lot of action. You just don't get the building and close your eyes, and it just all gets done by itself without any effort. You have to have someone show up and say, I'm going to help. And that's how this has been accomplished. There's been so many volunteers who have helped out in so many ways, in so many rooms. It's been really humbling as a pastor to see that kind of commitment and support. Um, yesterday, we had to unload this semi-truck outside, which was full of furniture and all kinds of stuff. And we had 20 guys show up and a whole bunch of ladies show up and unloaded that thing. We had such a blast doing it. It was really heavy furniture, incidentally, really heavy. But we brought it all in and cleaned it all up and all that stuff. It took about two and a half, three hours with these guys. And it was just fun. But they made a decision yesterday when they said, I'm going to stop all my chores, I'm going, to, I'm going to come after the game, I'm going to show up, and I'm going to be here, and I'm going to help. So we make decisions all the time. It's just part of our life. Um, someone once said, there's about seven to nine defining moments in our life. Think about that a little bit. About seven to nine defining moments in our life. The big moment where if I take this path right here, it's going to take me this road. Or if I if I, if I marry this person, it's going to take me this road. If I, if, I, if I follow this calling, it's going to take me on this road. About seven to nine defining moments in our life. Um, what God desires is he wants you to walk with him. He wants you to know his presence. When you look at Paul the Apostle, and just as an overview, I want you to understand the book of Acts here. Uh, the first 12 chapters, Peter is really the rock star. Peter's the guy, first 12 chapters. He's the guy who you see over and over in the stories in, in the book of Acts. And then the rest of the book of Acts, it's this guy named Paul, otherwise named as Saul. That's him. So you see him come to the surface and, and that kind of thing. And, in, and, and you see it already in, in chapter 16. In chapter 16, Paul is working through God's will. 
And I find it so encouraging because sometimes we think, oh, uh, God's just going to somehow come and visit me at my kitchen table and tell me what I need to do for the next five years of my life. And, and when he doesn't do that, you think, okay, I guess I have to make a decision. I guess I have to figure out what I need to do. I thought this was going to happen, and it didn't. So I'm going to start at Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Here it is. Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystra. There, or excuse me, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. Timothy comes up a little bit later. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. So he was a mix, right? Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left. For everyone knew his father was a Greek. Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Here's the church. They were strengthened in their faith and they grew larger. Those things go together. Verse 6, look what happens. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. You hear that? <clears throat> they traveled to this area because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Verse 7 says, Then, coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. Strike two, right? Verse eight. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. There's the third place they're going. Now they're going to Tro Troas. Verse nine. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there, pleading with him. Come over to Macedonia and help us out. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. What do you think about that? Paul is told, okay, go. he's like, I think we need to go over here. And he starts going over here. And then all of a sudden, he's like, you know what? I'm not feeling it anymore. I thought I was supposed to do this. This is what I'm supposed to do. Okay, let's come over here. I'm going to come over here. I'm going to we're going to go to this city instead. And you know what? I don't, I'm sorry, guys. I don't feel like it. We need to come over here. Let's come over here. Let's go to this city instead. So they go to this city, Troas. I'm like, okay, this is where we need to be. And then, then all of a sudden, he has this vision from this guy saying, come to Macedonia. And he's like, okay, now I know we're supposed to go to Macedonia. You know people like that. You might call them really uh, you know, indecisive. That might be a word you might use to describe those people. They're just, they just don't know what to do. You might say they're lost. You might say they don't know which direction they're going. But you would say that about Paul because that's what Paul is doing. He's going here, it's not working. Here, it's not working. Three times, not working. You know what? This is where we need to be. Do those people frustrate you, incidentally? Some of you, they, they frustrate you. You're like, you, know, you don't know what you're doing and where you're going. But, but you see Paul, you can make an argument that he was indecisive, but he's, he's learning to follow the will of God. Now, let me just say this to you. Um, God could have told him, 
God could have told him on the very, very first night, God could have given him a vision, and the vision could have been, go to Macedonia, right? First night, he could have experienced it. So just go to Macedonia. That's where you need to go. But he didn't. He had him go to the first city. Nope. Second city. Nope. Third city. Nope. Fourth time. Here's Macedonia. Why did God do that? God was teaching Paul to walk with him, to learn his voice, to depend on him, to trust him. And even the courage to say, you know what, guys? I know I said this. I know I said this city but I really think it's this city. Yeah, Yeah, I know I said that last time, guys, but I really think this is it now. You know what, guys, I'm sorry. I'm just not feeling it anymore. I know this is the third time. This is not... Hey, guys, last night I had a dream. I think we need to go to Macedonia. God is teaching Paul to walk with him, to trust him, to know his voice. How do you determine God's will? How do you do it? You don't have to shout it out, but how do you determine God's will? Some of you, you really rely on your reason, and your reason is king. You're convinced you're right just about 99% of the time, at least out loud. Inside, internally, you know you're not, but you're pretty confident in your ability to work through problems, and you're pretty confident in your logic, and some of you do that. Maybe it's a simple Excel spreadsheet, just pros and cons, and you say the one with the more pros is God's will. Maybe it's that simple. <clears throat> or maybe it's about money. If the money is there, then it's God's will. But if God is asking me to do something and the money's not there, then it's not God's will. Maybe that's the way you, you figure out God's problem. Um, for, for others of you, maybe it's simple, open, and closed doors. If the door is open, it must be God's will. I'll jiggle it a little bit. If it doesn't open, I'm going to back away. Or if the door is closed, it's, it's not God's will for me to go into it. If so I'm going to walk away from it. Or maybe others of you, maybe it's much easier for you to ask the opinion of others than to cry out to God and ask God what he thinks. It's much easier for you to talk to your spouse or your friend or whatever and say, what do you think, than it is for you to cry out to God. Say so you take a little poll and the majority wins, or at least the people that you feel that that you have such a high respect for, if they say something, then you tend to think, well, this must be God's will because they say it, so it must be God's will. And it's just a lot easier to send a text or pick up the phone or talk to someone and say, hey, what does God want me to do? These are my options. What do you think I should do? Okay, everyone, this is God's will, but you haven't heard from the Lord. You've heard from your friend. You've heard from your spouse, but you haven't heard from God. How do you determine God's will? How do you do that? There's a couple of things about God's will. First, there's his general will. God's general will <clears throat> is, uh, is kind of, these are like the gimmies. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's his general will for you to walk with him. You don't have to wonder about that. God wants you to walk with him. God wants you to know him. That's his general will. God wants you to receive his son, Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior. That's his general will. God wants you to experience his forgiveness. God wants you to repent from your sins. God wants you to go to church. The church belongs to Jesus Christ. That's general will. These are gimmies. You don't have to wonder about that. God wants you to spend time reading his word. That's why we have it. This is his general will. But his specific will is different. Like, what do I do with my life? Should I take that job? Should I buy that car? Should I move? Should I make that purchase? Who should I marry? Or whatever it is, 
Those are specific questions that, you know, you, you don't find, you know, should I buy this Land Rover? Let me look to see what the Bible says about a Land Rover. You don't see that in here. So there's certain, there's certain things that are, God, I need to know specifically about what you want me to do in this situation. Should I go and talk to that person? They hurt my feelings. Should I go and talk to them about it? Should I let it go? Whatever it is, those are specific, specific issues. There, and and that's, that's, what many, that's where many of us struggle. In the book of Proverbs, you discover that God really wants us to know his will. In fact, if you read Proverbs chapters 1 through 6, it's all about these sayings, and, and it's written by Solomon, King Solomon, and he wants us to gain wisdom. If you want to know how to deal with people, just read one chapter of Proverbs every single day. It's 31 chapters every day of the month. Just read one chapter. I want to read verse 5 to you because it says this, let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive what church? Receive guidance. One more time. Turn to the person next to you and say, get guidance. What does that mean? Throughout the book of Proverbs, you see the word guidance. The word guidance is really significant because the original Hebrew word for guidance, it literally means management of ropes. Management of ropes. Very likely, you don't deal with a rope much anymore over here. I mean, maybe to tow someone or something or tie something down, but we don't deal with ropes much anymore. But during these days, when this was written, ropes were very popular. In fact, ropes were used as a method of navigation for sailors. If you like the ocean water, if you like the lake, and you like sailing, you'd love this. Everyone knew ropes were significant to sail. So you would lower the sails when the wind was in your favor, so you had to work the ropes. You would lower the sails when the wind was with you. You would move the sails with the ropes when the wind changed. You'd recognize the, cha- the, the wind is changing, so it would be another maneuver with the ropes. And you would raise the sails when a storm came up, or, or you would be thrown off course. So you needed to know how to manage the ropes. You needed to be able to identify the wind's blowing here, the wind's blowing there, there's a storm coming, we're with the wind, let's lower, let's lower the sails, let's work the ropes. And, and the way you managed the ropes determined how good of a sailor you were. Managing the ropes. Ropes were a way of navigation. So here's what I want you to hear. Walking with God is knowing how to work your ropes. It's knowing which way the wind of the Spirit of God is leading. How is he moving? God's moving this direction. I'm going to change my ropes. God's moving another. There's a storm coming. I need to, I need to work the ropes. The, the, you know, the course is changing. I need to work the ropes. I sense the Lord moving this direction. I'm going to change my ropes, and I'm going to tie down over here. Walking with God is knowing how to work your ropes. It's being sensitive to the leading of the Spirit. Do you, know, do you know what it looks like when you sense the God moving in a certain direction? Do you feel that? It's kind of like the wind when we were walking with the kids over there at Eastlake. Uh, Austin Hurd did a great job talking about the wind. And how do you know it's there? I feel it, but you don't see it. But how do you know? It's the same way with the Spirit of God. You recognize which way the Lord is going. And you don't fight against it. You manage your ropes. 
and you say, I want to be in the will of the Lord, and I see God moving this way. I wasn't planning on going that way. I had other plans today, but I see God moving this way, and I'm going to change my plans today because I sense God wanted me to do this. That's a big deal. Some of us, we make our plans, and it's like they are fixed for the day, and it's not changing unless Jesus comes. <laughs> it's just not going to change. But others say, these are my plans for the day, but I sense God moving in a different direction. I'm willing. I'm willing to work the ropes. I'm willing to change my day because I sense God moving another way. I sense God moving away. Learning to spend time in God's word every day, this is how you manage the ropes. If you don't spend time in God's word <laughs> and you don't develop the spiritual capacity to identify the wind and hear his voice, what will happen is you'll naturally lean on your feelings more. You'll lean on your gut. You'll lean on what other people say, but you need to learn to lean into God's word and learn to recognize the wind. Recognize the wind. Verse 6 <laughs> said that the Holy Spirit had prevented him from preaching the word in Asia. Really interesting because you think about this phrase. Um, I mean, Asia, <coughs> Asia needs to hear the gospel, and today this church is all over Asia. So that, that's not the issue. But what you see here is Paul um, understood the value of waiting on God, and he understood that the timing of God is just as important as the purpose of God. The timing of God is just as important as the purpose of God. And it wasn't the right time. The other thing you see this is going into Asia and sharing the gospel for Paul. Was that a good thing? Well, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't like, oh, between bad and good. It was between this would have been good, but God has another plan for me. So it's the, the, the willingness to surrender to the wind of God's direction and saying, I know this would be good, but I, I, know, God, I know the wind's blowing over here, so I need to be obedient to God, and I need to come over here. I, someone else will do that. I know they will because God sees that, but God is wanting me to go this direction. So it's a, it's a decision over the good to trust God and the wind. You hear that? Doing a good thing. Francis Chan said this, it is easy to use God's will for my life as an exchange, or excuse me, it's easy to use God's will for my life as an excuse for inaction or even disobedience. It's much less demanding to think about God's will for your future than it is to ask him what he wants you to do in the next 10 minutes. Isn't that true? I appreciate his, his first statement there, an excuse for inaction or even disobedience. Uh, there, there are some people who say, you know what, I'm praying for God's will on whether or not I should, I don't know, serve or give or, or move or whatever it is. I'm praying for God's will. And, and there's some people who will become spiritually paralyzed because they will do nothing until God shows up at their kitchen table and writes something out and gives it to them. They will do nothing until their sofa catches on fire like Moses in front of the burning bush and speaks them. So they will do nothing. So they'll tell everyone, I'm just praying for God's will. But you see, Paul the Apostle doesn't do that. Paul takes action. This is where God wants me. I feel like I need to go. Oh, the Spirit of the Lord is 
telling me not now. Okay, this is where I feel, nope, God's saying, this is where, nope, God's saying this. I had a vision last night, Macedonia. This is where God wants me to go. You have to take action. You have to take action. Faith without action is what? Dead. You have to take action. That's how you grow in your walk with God. You say, God, I'm going to let go of this. I'm going to let go of that. that that's, how you, that's how you grow. And I appreciate what, what Francis Chan is saying. <clears throat> it's always easy to pray for the big stuff. I get it. Big stuff you need to pray about. But knowing what God wants you to do in the next 10 minutes, well, you need to be able to recognize the win now. Right? You need to be able to Grab your ropes and change course if you feel like God wants you to change course. You weren't planning on doing that today, but God's clearly blowing another direction, and I need, to get, I need to work my ropes. That's spiritual maturity. Are you willing to change direction if God tells you to go another direction? <clears throat> Sometimes we think... <clears throat> An unwillingness to change direction is a mark of a mature person. It could just be a mark of a stubborn person. But the willingness to say, you know what? I know God was moving another way, and I'm going to be okay with that. Verse 7, <clears throat> Paul talks about going to these places, uh, Bithynia, and again to Troas, and he talks about this thing. And uh, <clears throat> what was that all about? What was all that about? Um, when, I, when I work with and I, I counsel people um, about God's will, the, 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 always the prayer is, God, just show me in my Macedonia. Just show me in my Macedonia. I don't want to take a pick stop in Lystra, and, and I don't want to stop in Bithynia. I don't want to stop in Troas. Just show me in my Macedonia. And that's what our human nature is, because we just want to know God's will, and I'll move on, and I just want to know, what, you know, kind of thing. <clears throat> but God... He wants you to lean on him and trust him. See, it's, it's, it's really more about you than the destination. It's really more about you growing in character. It's really about you surrendering your will to his will. It's really all about that. But God will use every stop along the way. You're not wasting any time. You're going to learn a lesson here. You're going to learn to be obedient, or you're going to learn the consequences of disobedience. One of them you're going to learn. I like what T.D. Jakes said. He said, uh, if it is not the thing, it will be the thing that leads to the thing. So good. It's okay. You don't have to stress. If it's not the thing, it will be the thing that leads to the thing. God's a sovereign God. There's this company you may be aware of that discovered this. While trying to find a cure for headaches and hangovers, chemist John Pemberton from Atlanta, Georgia, otherwise known as Doc, concocted a syrup cordial made from wine and coca extract, which he called Pemberton's French wine coca. In 1885, at the height of the temperance movement in the U.S., Atlanta banned the sale of alcohol, forcing Pemberton to produce a purely coca-based version of the syrup that needed to be diluted. And the story goes that one day a careless barman at a soda fountain nearby accidentally spirited it with ice-cold soda water from the fountain instead of tap water. 
Others believe that Pemberton ordered this to be done deliberately and had organized runners to take small samples to Willis Venable's soda fountain in downtown Atlanta so that the test, taste test could be undertaken. Either way, customers gave it a thumbs up and the ever-popular beverage was born. What's the name of the beverage? Coca-Cola. Accident. How did, we, how did this happen? How did this happen? Paul took action. Paul took action. And when you look at Paul, it, it wasn't always easy for him. In fact, in 2 Corinthians, he, he shares a little bit about his, he, he took three missionary trips, and he shared about his missionary trips in the midst of discerning God's will. He says, are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day in a drift of the sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced dangers from my own people, the Jews as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced dangers in the cities and the deserts and on the seas. And I have faced dangers from men who claim to be believers but are not. These are the people who say I'm a Christian. Verse 27, I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. So... How was your day? <laughs> How was your day? Sometimes it doesn't take much for us to walk away from our faith. It doesn't take much for us to walk away from a church. It doesn't take much because we go through hard times, our feelings are hurt, or we're in pain, and we say, you know what? It's God's will for me to walk. But when you look at Scripture and you look at the early church, you see these missionaries. There's one word that I would describe them, and it would, I would say perseverance. Perseverance. They're completely committed to the will of God. Completely committed to the will of God. It's not about necessarily the destination. It's about the will of God. Over and over and over. Verse 10, he finally says, <clears throat> we decided to go to Macedonia. Now, here's, here's what's uh, <clears throat> pretty cool. In Paul's mind, God wanted him to go to this city, this region. In Paul's mind, it was about, this is God's will for me to go to this city. But in God's mind, God wanted to give Paul an entire continent to win over for Christ. Paul was pursuing a city one time, two times, three times. But the fourth time, God says, look, you're dreaming too small. I have an entire continent for you. And when he went to Macedonia, those were the doors right there that opened up Europe into Rome. Right there. An entire continent. See, sometimes our, our vision is so small and we think, oh, it's about this one job or it's about this one thing and it's about this one project or it's about whatever it is, but it's too small. There's, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. Paul gives us the secret sauce in Romans. It's so appropriate that he writes to the church in Rome. Because this is after through Macedonia. And eventually in Rome, he writes this letter. And he says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Give your bodies to God. Your body belongs to God. Treat it with, with honor. Live a holy life with your body. Don't 
Don't give it away. Don't give it away. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. Don't give it away. Don't hurt yourself. Don't have sex before marriage. Your body belongs to God. Honor it. Don't hurt yourself. Don't cut yourself. Your body belongs to God. Honor God with your body. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Hmm. Do you see that? That's the will of God. There's the general will of God. Be a living and holy sacrifice. When you look at the Old Testament and you see the parallel of this, it's phenomenal. But it's this idea of I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to be this living and holy sacrifice to God. I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to live for him. I'm no longer going to live for myself. I'm going to live for my God. And I'm going to trust. I'm going to give myself completely to him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't be enamored by this world. Don't be enamored by the trends. Don't be enamored by the, the, the patterns or whatever it is. Don't be enamored by the lifestyle. Don't be enamored by the fashion. Don't do it. You don't have to get caught up in it. There's nothing wrong with it, but don't get caught up in it. Don't set your heart on it. Don't copy it. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. For some of us, there's the battleground. You can come to church every single week, but if your thinking doesn't change, you're not going to grow. If your thinking is not going to change, you're not going to grow. If your thinking is not going to change, it's going to be a battle all the time. And whatever you tell yourself is going to be true. But God wants to transform the way you think through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the next sentence starts with the word, then. See that? <laughs> Let's read that last sentence out loud, guys. Then you will learn. Perfect. You hear? You see? You give yourself. Then you will. When you look at this, <clears throat> there's this idea of um, kind of like packing for a trip. I asked Pastor Nick yesterday. When, he, when, when they took the teens to our conference in Phoenix, Arizona, I asked him, did, did you pack a coat? And he laughed and he said, no, it's Phoenix. I didn't pack a coat. That's kind of a waste of space in the suitcase. Don't you think packing a coat for Phoenix? Well, he knew the destination. So walking with God is much like packing a suitcase. If you want to walk with God and you want God's will for your life and you want the will of Jesus Christ for your life and, and you want the best life possible, then you got to make sure you pack the right things. But even more importantly than that, you need to know what not to pack. Stephen Mansfield, he's a CEO at Southern Methodist Hospitals throughout Texas. And Stephen Mansfield was talking to other CEOs in the Dallas Texas area, and they came together, and he, he said this, all CEOs know it's not where we're trying to go that is the problem. It's what are you willing to leave behind to get there? Isn't that good? It's not about the goal, because you can find a way to make it happen, right? Or you can find a way, it's about what are you willing to leave behind, for us, it's, you know what? <clears throat> I'm going to get out of that toxic relationship because it's hurting my walk with God. I'm going to leave it behind. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of that app. I'm going to stop looking at I'm gonna, this is weighing me down. So it is war. I'm going to declare war on that. And I'm not going to put it in the suitcase while I walk with God because it's holding me back and I'm going somewhere. It's, it's the ability to say, I'm not going to pack that. I'm not going to pack that. Not going to do it. And Paul is saying, there's this flesh that's where you have to work through. The Wright brothers, when I was in D.C. a few years ago, I got to go to one of the museums and got to see the plane and everything. But these guys are just rock stars. You know, they developed their first plane in a bicycle shop, <laughs> in a bicycle shop. These guys had courage, and they said, hey, look at the birds, and why can't we fly, and let's get this thing going, and let's, let's try, and let's try, and let's try, and let's try. They built a plane in Dayton, Ohio, and uh, they, they, they discovered something as they were doing this, they discovered something known as the gravitational pull, right? The gravitational pull. Because they discovered when we're trying to take off in the air, there's something known as this gravitational pull that's pulling us back. It's not letting us get through. And they tried and tried and tried and they would crash or try and crash. And they could have said, you know what? This gravitational pull thing is too much. This flesh is too much. I know what I want to do, but there's something inside of me that's preventing me from doing it, and I keep falling, I keep failing, so I'm just going to stop going to church, I'm going to stop reading, I'm going to stop trying, I'm just going to give in, just going to give in. But then they said, you know what, <laughs> we need to go faster, we need a stronger engine, we need to get past this wall this gravitational pull. And if we can break through that wall, we'll soar. And that's what happened. That's what happened. They didn't give up. And they could have said, you know what? When we get what we need, when we have enough money, we'll build a plane. When we have some backing, then we'll go ahead and do it. They didn't even have a college degree. They didn't have that. Paul is saying, if you want to know God's will, here's what you got to do. You got to get past this gravitational pull known as the flesh. And if you really want to walk with God, if you really want to know God's will, you're to be a living and holy sacrifice to God. You need to die to yourself. Die to yourself completely. Thank God, I want you more than anything else. I want to live for you. Your voice is the loudest in my life, God. Take my life, use my energy all for you, God. And when you get to that point, then you will know the will of God, his pleasing and perfect will for you. And you'll be able to identify the wind. And you'll learn how to manage the ropes. And you're not going to stress when your day changes. And you'll be able to just know what God wants you to do even in the next 10 minutes. That's all I got, guys. <clears throat> That's all I got. I want to encourage you. I know the Spirit of the Lord has been in this service in a real special way. I want to encourage you to just turn to God with all your heart. However, the Lord's been moving in your heart. Turn to the Lord with all your heart. Can you do that? He loves you and He cares about you. He sees what's going on in your life. And he's the answer to all of your worries, all of your problems. God, thank you for your grace and your love. You're so good, God. <clears throat> God, I'd rather be here than 
at Invesco Field watching a football game. <laughs> I'd rather be here, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your presence. If you need to receive Jesus Christ into your heart and you haven't said that prayer, would you just say, Jesus, come into my heart. This morning, I want to become a Christian. I ask you to forgive me for my sins, and I turn to you. If you're at a place where you need to know God's will, here's what you got to do. Make it your prayer. God, this morning, I want to become a living and holy sacrifice to you. I'm willing to not put certain things in my suitcase here. I want your will for my life. I choose to die to myself and live for you, Jesus. And God, help me to manage my ropes. I want to recognize the wind, the way you're blowing, which direction. I want to be able to manage my ropes. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name I say all this and pray all this. Amen. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.